Hi, this is Annie from the Smithsonian American Art Museum's Loose Foundation Center. Since 2011, we've hosted Loose Unplugged, a free monthly concert series that celebrates the work of local musicians. Now we are partnering with Hometown Sounds to bring you tracks from DC artists we love. For more on Loose Unplugged, visit americanart.si.edu slash loose slash unplugged. There you'll find a complete list of Loose Unplugged artists, videos of past performances, and artist interviews on our blog, iLevel. We look forward to welcoming you back to the museum once it's safe to hold concerts again. Until then, stay well, stay in touch, and enjoy these tunes from our neighbors in the DMV. Hi, we're Lightmare. And this is Louise Listening Party, presented by Hometown Sounds. Welcome back to Hometown Sounds. We show you how DC rocks. I'm Tony Foreco. And I'm Paul Vodra. And this is the Loose Listening Party presented by Hometown Sounds. This is our regular feature where we bring on bands, DC bands, that we would have loved to present at the Loose Unplugged show at the Loose Foundation Center inside the Smithsonian American Art Museum. But we cannot because there's still a pandemic going on. So instead, we are bringing on bands to play some of their songs and talk to them about what makes them tick. 
and what's awesome. So our guest this week is the six-person soul punk band Lightmare. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. All right. Please introduce yourselves. Sure. I'll go first. Uh, my name is Shady and I use they, them pronouns. I am the lead singer of Lightmare. Um, I'm Frankie Hellfire. I play bass, Bakey, and really excited to be here. Hi, my name's Beck. I play guitar. I use he, him pronouns. Awesome. So we know you got started as part of a Girls Rock DC hat band. Could you tell us about that experience and what made you realize that this was a combination of musicians that wanted to keep going? Well, that story is such a wild origin story for us uh, because at this point, the members we have in the band, um, only half of the current members are the same as that original hat band. In case anybody doesn't know what a hat band is, like, it's a girls rock, girls rock DC fundraiser where you just like musicians and non-musicians just throw their names literally in like a virtual hat and you get like pick bands and then just become a band, you write a song, boom, you perform it. So back in the day, uh, we got together as a hat band for girls rock and we didn't know, we didn't know each other at all when we first started the hat band. Uh, we weren't friends or even acquaintances, but uh, we developed uh, something really interesting at our 15-minute performance at the Hat Band show, um, and we decided to keep it going. So during normal times, the essential activities of being in a band include working on new music together, rehearsing, playing shows, going to shows, recording and touring. How has Lightmare retained your shared experience of cohesion as a band while not being able to do these things as easily, if at all, during the pandemic? Well, I mean, just for starters, being a six piece band, we're already like at max capacity of like <laughs> being a pod. So, you know, in the beginning of the whole situation, we were supposed to record our album that clearly got put on hold. Um, and we all were like, okay, you know, we'll take a break from each other for like a month. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> and then as, you know, month one turned into month two, we were all very stir crazy as not only humans but also as musicians and also as musicians who like each other a whole bunch and we were like okay we we can't stop being lightmare so we started i have a very large backyard like an obscenely large backyard if anybody wants to come over and help mow you are welcome um and we started playing outside which was a great relief for our neighbors everybody in the neighborhood would come out and just like really enjoy it um, and then we decided, all right, we got to pod together. I've been in a lot of bands before, like small bands, two pieces, three pieces. And it was always a very tumultuous situation of like, you know, um, communication. But surprisingly, being in this particular six piece band, everybody was on the same page and just like, OK, this is really important to us. So we just did what we had to do. We podded together and we practiced inside we played a bunch of virtual shows we played um, one outdoor show which was awesome at um rhizome and we were able to finally record this album we made sure to be really careful about being safe for each other because we do care about each other a lot so we got to the point where we were getting tested every week and if someone had even the slightest bit of exposure we would you know cancel practice or that person would stay home for a couple of weeks uh, and it's worked pretty well so far. 
Yeah, I, and I'll just say that I think that having that access to to Frankie's backyard and and access to practice space in a time where a lot of bands I know around here are either not playing together or doing it on a very limited basis. I think we were really blessed to be able to continue collaborating while the weather was warm and, you know, eventually put a pretty fantastic record together. But I'm so grateful that we had that opportunity, you know, over the last year, because I don't know where I would have would have been if we did not. So the song we heard at the beginning of this podcast was called Dirt. It is from Lightmare's upcoming album that has been getting worked on for quite a long time. Many, many people are very excited for it to finally come out. Uh, what has been your experience making this album? And uh, how hard is it to write songs as a group of, of six people? Like, how do you put all that together? That's a good question. Um... Recording the album was probably a dream, like the dreamiest state of being you could you could ask for. Tonal Park is where we recorded our upcoming album, Dirt. In true Lightmare fashion, I don't know if other bands do this, but we knocked that whole recording out in a weekend, two days, <laughs> two very long 12-hour days mm-hmm. that ended in whiskey. And I think also um, something that we are very good at is uh, we have like a inside like nightmare joke that when somebody goes outside to like a bathroom break or a smoke break or whatever or is just out of practice that day we write like three songs so uh, the the writing process for this particular album we it just it just happened so quickly and naturally like the connection was just like okay now here's another song and here's an uh, should we put this on the album? We've only played it a handful of times. Yes, we should put it on the album, which I think we're going to hear that one later. Um, so just like, I think it could have been a lot more difficult and I feel super, super privileged that it was not easy, but like seamless and nice. Easy in that there was ease in my right. heart. You know, yeah. I, was, I was at ease yeah. with the band. And in terms of communication, I feel like Becky could also answer this question like how we communicate with each other. Yeah. I mean, communication is kind of a, a really important part of how we operate as a, as a unit. And we're a, a band that operates by consensus for making mostly all of our decisions, if not all of our decisions. And what, you know, when we're all in a room once or twice a week, it becomes a lot easier. So over the course of the pandemic and over the course of, of potting and trying to keep each other safe, communication even more so becomes central in addition to the creative process because we're also dealing with these extenuating circumstances. And I mean, it was just as Frankie said, kind of a rapidly and organically evolving process for this album because, I mean, we had originally booked studio time in March and we were only supposed to be recording a five-song EP. And then the pandemic hit and then we had to hit the pause button. And then once we started to get back together, in the summertime and into the fall, I mean, new ideas, you know, they were developing and bubbling up pretty nicely. And yeah, we managed to, as Frankie said, put together some kind of brand spanking new songs that we had never played in front of an audience. 
um, and had only played for for ourselves. And so it's always kind of, I think, to a leap of faith to bring that kind of material into a studio um, that has not been played in front of an audience. But one of the things that I always say is like, you just got to trust that the music is there and, and trust in the music. And that's what we did. And I think it turned out really wonderfully. I think we should hear another song from Lightmare. Can we hear one more track from your upcoming album? Sure, certainly. In fact, this upcoming song, Sad Boy, is the one that I think we wrote about a week before recording it and had at that point not been played in front of other humans. All right, let's hear it.
that was Lightmare with a track called Sad Boy. So tell us, Lightmare, uh, who is Sad Boy and what is his deal? <laughs> That's the question, uh, isn't it? Are we all the sad boys? <laughs> well, I guess I could start my interpretation of that song <laughs> as the as the lyricist. Sad boy is someone we've all met. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a man, you know. Everyone can be a sad boy, but usually it's a man who just makes his own internal problems for which he should take responsibility everyone else's problems a follow-up question there how would you differentiate between a sad boy and a fuck boy mm. Mm. good question well a sad boy is kind of like the nice guy of fuck boys mm-hmm. you know the nice guy trademark he's like but i'm just trying to be nice and really you're just like oh god no stop <laughs> i think a sad boy can't tell um oh here's a good answer a sad boy has poor boundaries so do fuck boys, I'll say, mm-hmm. but a sad boy has poor boundaries that he thinks are an appropriate way to go about being friends with someone. Mm. You know, like, oh, I'm going to dump all of my trauma on you and put you through a lot of emotional labor because I'm so real. I feel like I understand my generation so much better. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I just think also, like, the way that song came to be, like, the inception of that song. So that song, we it was me, Beck, and uh, Yusuf, the drummer, and we were just kind of, like, waiting for folks to, you know, they were in traffic, and uh, we were just like, all right, well, let's just kind of start jamming a little bit, you know? And Shady literally walked up to the mic and was like, pretty boy, <laughs> and it just, like, happened. Yeah, that song's a good just coming back to the communication question from earlier and the writing process, like that song is a good way to tie all that in because as Frankie said, that's very much like a song born out of a jam that then had some spontaneity spun into it. And then that ends up being the writing process for a lot of our songs. You know, an idea will come together while we're jamming and, you know, we'll hit on something and refine until you know, we have something that sounds like a song. I'll say the energy was something we were all feeling very hard at the time with various frustrations that we were experiencing in different parts of our personal lives. And that kind of happens with all of our songs when we write together. But I think that's something we do really well as like individuals and as like one giant conglomerate, you know, like where we we kind of like take the outside influences of like personal life global life and it just becomes a thing like sad boy here's a question for you how do, how do your personal identities and your dc music communities the other bands that you uh feel kinship with how, how does all that contribute and relate to your your songwriting and the process you use to to create these things i'll start so i'm a dc native and i grew up in the city which has this incredibly rich like musical history and musical tr- tradition. And so I kind of grew up just absorbing that legacy through my skin and my pores all the time. And I think that's one of my huge identity pillars is being from this city and it's really complex history and relation to race, for example, and relation to music and art. So many people that come to DC think that it's a, uh, it's just a, politician policy wonk city and 
forget about the art and the history and the culture. And so I feel, part of me feels like it's my special duty as a DC native, as a black person, as a queer black person who is a DC native to carry that legacy on and to transform it as the future rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls in. And when we're writing music together as a band, I feel so grateful for my bandmates who have really dedicated dedicated themselves to the practice of seeing other people for who they are. So what we end up with is just a really well-informed sense of each other. You know, we talk about more than music all the time. We talk about our mental health challenges. We talk about our dating life and sex life probably too much. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about, you know, work challenges. We talk about politics, history, culture together. And it all continuously informs what we do together. That's my perspective in a nutshell. Yeah, and I think like from my perspective as a person who's not from DC, I'm from like the New York area, I'm from like North North Jersey, New York, you know, area. And coming to DC, I was like, where I hear there's like a music scene, but like where is it? You know, and, and like learning that I had to like crack into it to really like get it and um even just like be a part of it, you know which was challenging because in New York it's like so saturated and also it's so who knows, who do you know, like who can like pull you through this and that and this and whatever. And then coming to DC um, as a newly like trans person. And I feel like meeting these folks and meeting this band and having people actually be like, wow, you're a human that I care about. And that writing experience just like comes in to play so much more seamlessly. And it really is a privilege. It, it really is genuine. And it's, it's not, it's a very rare thing, I think, um, to put your ego aside and to just be like, oh, wait, I don't know what it's like to be a, a queer black person from DC, but I can at least have some kind of empathy and understand what that's like. And you can hear me as like a out of towner as a, you know, et cetera, et cetera. For me personally, I mean, I moved to DC now six years ago because I have family in the area and this is a town that was never on my radar. And I feel silly about that now that this is where I live, but I definitely was the sort of person to fall victim to that kind of thinking about the city that, you know, it's the capital and federal buildings and you know, not much else. And the music community here has really opened my eyes to all that this city has to offer and what it means to, to be someone who actually lives in DC and not someone who does business here. And another, another thing I'll add to that too, is that there are communities here, like I've never encountered before music communities, like you know, Seven Drum City or Girls Rock DC or Flash Band, where you can, you know, get paired up with a bunch of strangers and have a fantastic musical experience. And there are, you know, Lightmare started out of a hat band. Uh, Rosie Chima, who we'll be listening to later, started from a Flash Band. So many groups that I know, you know, have gotten to meet each other through these communities and have gone on to really create some beautiful music. And it's been a joy to watch. It's been a joy to evolve alongside these other super creative people. And I talk to, you know, my brother is a musician in New York. 
Uh, I know folks that are playing all like in other cities and, you know, they don't, they don't seem to have those same sorts of community resources in the way that we do around here. And uh, that's another thing that I'm really grateful for. And now Lightmare is also going to teach us about some of the other awesome DC music that they want to play. So the first song that they've queued up for us is by Black Folks Don't Swim.
So that was Black Folks Don't Swim with a track called Theme 22. Introduce us, Lightmare, to Black Folks Don't Swim. Tell us about them. So Black Folks Don't Swim has, at any given moment, more members even than Lightmare. Yeah. And and their their name is Black Folks Don't Swim? Question mark. Uh, The band is led by our dear, dear, beloved friend, Sweet. Their whole vibe is sort of a... Jazz, neo soul, R and B. Can I tell you how much we love Black uh, Folks Don't Swim? Love them. We've played with them a few times, mm-hmm. and uh, their vibe is immaculate. Oh yes. And the name of their band is, you know, a little, you know, a little cheeky. Cheeky, cheeky. Yes. It's a little cheeky, and so you might have heard the, the kind of racist assumption that Black people don't know how to swim without any nuanced examination of the reason why a lot of black people don't swim compared to other white counterparts. Yeah, definitely my favorite local band. I think I can say confidently just the way that they fuse and meld influences from what seems like the entire 20th century of black American music. A term that I've heard to describe other sorts of bands that I think fits for them is is a future soul kind of band, or as they say, a soulful black music machine from space, which is dead on. Yes. (laughs) It's so now, it's so relevant. It's so, ah, everyone, everyone, please just go check out Black Folks on Fun. Can you tell us about the origin of the band name for Lightmare? What is the story there and what what does it mean to you guys? Proudly, I'll say that I did come up with the name, Lightmare, but the origin of how we became Lightmare, you know, it was back when we were a hat band and we were picking our name to, you know, to be announced before our 15 minutes of fame on the, on the hat band stage. We came up with about 40 different names, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and eventually landed on Lightmare out of all those names. I liked the pun. But it, it was something that I kind of threw in at the last minute when we were creating that poll. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. And here we are, ages later, as Lightmare. We talk a lot about dreams in our, in our music, even if not explicitly. Sometimes I think we're always talking about dreams mm-hmm. a little bit. But when I think about the reference to dreaming in Lightmare, I think it's more about the transformative state of the brain. You know, you dream so that you can process your, your waking life. Sometimes that process leads you through a building process. You're building the world that you want to see, or you're transforming the world you have into something new. You know, what do you all, what do you all, you other two folks think about the name Lightmare? I think it's great. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I will say that every time I meet someone and I say I'm in a band and they ask what the band name is and I say Lightmare. They're like, oh, that's that's a cool name. Um, so people seem to dig it. I certainly do. I agree with Shady that a lot of our music is dream related. And I think that extends not only to not only to the words, but also to the sounds that we create together. And I've always gotten a very dreamy sort of vibe from our soundscapes. You know, the, the, the songs that we create, I think, are, are often very textural and a little surreal sounding. What do you think about the name Lightmare? 
well, <laughs> I was like, well, this name is like, I get it, you know. And whenever I, and people are like, oh, you're in a band, like, what's your band name? And I'm like, Lightmare. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, yeah, it's like Nightmare, but better. Yeah, I mean, I was in a band called Sexual Magexual and the Easy Bleeders, so this is way better. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think we should hear another song that Lightmare has selected. Next up is Rosie Chima and What She Dreamed. Bus going north, and I'm 
That song was called Stuck by Rosie Chima and What She Dreamed. It is the leadoff song from their new album, Realm of the Warring Gods, that just came out on March 12th. So buy that on Bandcamp. Lightmare, please tell us about Rosie Chima and What She Dreamed. So we are huge fans of Rosie Chima and shout out to them uh, for releasing their album. Realm of the Warring Gods just came out on Friday. Uh, released through This Could Go Boom, which you may have heard of, local nonprofit uh, record label dedicated to uplifting the voices of women, uh, gender nonconforming folks in the music industry. We're always happy to play with Rosie Chima. We just played with them uh, our last show back in November at Rhizome, which we played outdoors. Uh, we split the bill with them and um, have played with them a couple of times super great people um and we're very excited for this album for sure yeah i really love their sound it's so raw and personal uh and when rosie is singing it's just it's very much it's like reading a diary almost it feels like a glimpse into something that maybe you're not supposed to see but you want to so badly and you relate to it so hard um, and then the the way that the music kind of ebbs and flows and swells and just wild and, and free music is what's really happening with them. Yeah, I feel like Rosie Chima is one of those bands that you're like, when you see them live, you're like, okay, here's a person with an acoustic guitar. Hmm. And then they just like unleash this wave of like sound and power and emotion. And you're just like, Oh golly. They, they definitely can knock you over with their sound. So the, the show you played with Rosie Chima at Rhizome was a fundraiser for the national independent venue association. Uh, how is that experience different from pre pandemic performances and were there any unexpected silver linings? Yeah, well, uh, that was, I mean, it was outside for one thing and socially distanced. So you have, you know, of course, that going into it. And, you know, we've played at Rhizome a fair amount of times. And it's kind of interesting because what I always associate with that space is sort of a very close, tight, uh, rubbing elbows sort of affair. It's, you know, sweaty and very intense, but in the best sort of possible way. And that's how I think of Rhizome. And so to, to go from that sort of experience to outdoors during the daytime with a lot of space, it's sort of like the polar opposite. And that's not a bad thing, you know, it's just different. And so that goes along with everything about making music during this pandemic. It's just something you have to adapt to, right? And you are coming up with this ad hoc stage setup and people are kind of just, you know, figuring it out as they go along. Yeah, that show was, um, for one thing, so much fun. And so what we ended up experiencing was just a new thing. I think, I think this whole pandemic has been full of new ways of experiencing live music. And you can still reach the audience. I think for me, a huge part of what I do is trying to touch the audience with my words. And I think all of us agree that that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to touch the audience with our music. And in an enclosed space, you know, when we're in a venue or in a, you know, a house venue, whatever, what have you, 
that becomes very easy because you're breathing the same air. Your sweat probably drips on someone. Some Your face is pretty pretty close relatively. Also, you can see each other's faces and watch reactions and build on those reactions. And so performing during the pandemic has been really different from that in that the thing that carries the energy is just an understanding, which is so much more ephemeral than the sweat and the looks and the and understanding is an agreement. We make an agreement to be here together. And I think that show with, with Rosie Chima was a good example of that because people were having a great time. The one thing that I think I my takeaway from the pandemic and being a musician and being like in a band, like a working band is like, we are all still doing it. You know, we're all still here and we're all still finding those ways of connectivity. Like life doesn't stop and neither does art. You know, we just keep going. We got another song that Lightmare has chosen for us to hear. This next one is by Born Dad.
It's too bad. You just heard Born Dad with a track called Sexist Leftist. It's from their album Born Dad's Greatest Hits, which arrived just over a year ago. Born Dad described themselves as 50% jokes, 50% queer rage. We've played with Born Dad a couple of times as well. Mm-hmm. I guess we chose all bands that we've played with a few times yeah. because I feel like we have a good relationship with these folks. Born Dad brings so much energy, right? They are so relentlessly authentic. Mm-hmm. They don't pull punches with their lyrics or with their style. You know, they're they're there to be right in your face. And with Born Dad, I I just love how relentless their lyrics are, but also how just how damn catchy their songs are too. That I can't I can't help but sing along to like every every one of Born Dad's greatest hits, and especially to I think one of the things that at least personally felt a kinship over Born Dead with his like the solo alto sax in the band. They have one, we have one, independent of a larger horn section. And I think we both utilize the horn in our own ways that are different, but work really well for our respective sounds. So we are now in 2021 and and things are starting to look up. Are we? Yes, thank God we are. <laughs> thank God. So what does the future hold for Lightmare? Uh, we've teased a little bit of the upcoming album. What plans do you have for it? What should people be on the lookout for for Lightmare? I'm so glad you asked. So we are releasing our new album, Dirt, this year in a couple of months. And as of today, we are officially releasing our album with This Week Go Boom. Woo! Ow, ow, ow. Great people. The same folks who released uh, Rosie Chima and What She Dreams' recent album. Um, we're really excited about it. Uh, it's a 13-track album that has a lot of hills and valleys uh, emotionally, I would say. If you liked our previous album, which contained a lot of different styles of song and a, different, a lot of different subject matters, um, I think this album, too, is for you. I think if you are into existing in different ways, you should listen to this album. And we're so excited about it. So you can expect this album to come out sometime in June. And you'll also be able to grab yourself a vinyl. So if you have a record player, you like playing vinyls, you like that warmer, rounder sound. Uh, We just got our vinyl masters back from Tonal Park and they sound amazing. Where can people go to follow all the goings-on of Lightmare? You can find us on... Facebook. We do have uh, LightmareDC.com. We're on Instagram as at LightmareDC, the same for Twitter. And of course, we're on all streaming sites. Uh, You can also buy our album through Bandcamp. Say hi to us every once in a while. I think that will about do it for this episode of the Loose Listening Party. I want to deeply thank Shady, Beck, and Frankie from Lightmare for joining us on this podcast. You guys are awesome. And so much so much luck and success to you with the new album. Thank you, Paul and Tony. It's been really great being here. Yes, this has been super fun. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the other Loose Listening Parties that you all put out as well. We're going to go out on one last Lightmare track. This song is called Chanson de Peur. It is available now on their band camp and it's going to be on the upcoming album. So grab that now while you can. Uh, Please stay safe, everyone. 
Let's all hang out soon once everybody's vaccinated. And thank you, Tony. And thank you, Paul. And we will see you all next time.